0: The voice of truth Tells me a different story The voice of truth
1: Says do not be afraid And the voice of truth
0: Voice of Truth Radio Show. You're listening to Mike Gazinger and Brian Leversey, the fusion of church and state. State Senator Mike Gazinger with Pastor Brian Leversey, and uh, you're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. Every Thursday at five o'clock, Saturday at three o'clock, we're going to be talking culture, history, current events from a biblical perspective. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we podcast at Voice of Truth with mike azinger all our shows are uh, tucked nicely in those podcasts you can listen you can listen to uh, as far back as what i don't know six months ago something yeah, like that pastor so we're uh, we're getting a little bit anniversary history.
1: coming up or something balloons so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's right nobody's yanked us off the air yet so um we're, we're just going to keep coming so if you want to email us radio voice of truth at gmail.com i haven't been good about uh, about that radio voice of truth at gmail.com um and, uh, by the way, the shows, uh, we, we air twice during the week. It's the same show every week, Thursday at 5 o'clock, Saturdays at 3. So if you're listening now, it's it's uh, either Thursday between 5 and 6 or Saturdays uh, Saturday between 3 and 4. Hey, I,
1: I like how you do your math. I Profundities mean... like that
0: you don't get <laughs> elsewhere, That's except right. for the Voice of Truth. <laughs> except for right here on the Voice of Truth radio show. So, uh um we appreciate you tuning in we're gonna we got a couple of uh a couple of well you know i think one thing we do here pastor that no one else does besides the fusion of church and state is we talk about we talk about things that i think are unique and we're going to do that today uh we're going to talk about critical race theory which isn't necessarily uh unique but we're going to give it a biblical perspective and we're going to we're going to explain a little bit about where it comes from um where it originated and um uh and then in the second half hour, uh, we're going to talk about Noah Webster uh, of Webster's Dictionary. This guy's a fascinating guy. Hmm. This is a, he's one of the uh, uh, top-shelf founding fathers, and uh, what a testimony he has. Um, you know how he came to the Lord, hmm. and uh, just h- what a brilliant man he was. And, and of course, we know him because of the Webster's Dictionary, and um, uh, he's he's very famous. Uh, he he wrote the first dictionary in America, the Webster's eighteen twenty eight. I don't know if you have a copy of that. I've read it many times. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A Saturday afternoon, you pull out the Webster's dictionary,
1: sit on the porch, start reading definitions,
0: and start reading (laughs) definitions. So I have it. uh, I have. uh, I love showing up the pastor when I can because he's got an elected. Towers above mine, so I, I like to. Uh, uh, can I show you my app of my app my Webster's eighteen twenty eight? Yes, I all see right it. there, right there it is. Yes, and, and um, easily accessible. You don't have one. I on do your... not. I do not. I'm lagging behind. So the Webster's eighteen twenty eight, uh, and we'll get into this of why it's uh, it towers above. All other dictionaries, and and what's happened to the language since then, and dictionaries, you know, uh, they've become, uh, as the culture has become relativistic, and uh, a lot, we've lost our uh, moral absolutes, that that happens to our language also, Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about that in the uh, the coming segment, uh, or in the uh, uh, segment after next, we're going to get, we're going to get uh, into critical race theory uh critical race theory it it, it's kind of there's an umbrella i think pastor as i as i learn more about this and i know you are too you're a student of this or becoming a student of i i think that you could say that uh, critical social justice is more of an umbrella Mm. that covers um all these other uh theories like critical race theory critical Mm. gender theory critical i don't know you could say global warming and Mm. and all these other things are, are 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 um uh, under the umbrella of critical social justice, which is is a is, it's a, a, a hard term to to digest, mm-hmm. but uh, we're going to try to help uh, folks do this uh, here in the uh, in the next segment. Yeah, I, I
1: how, how's your week? By the way, I don't know if uh, I don't know if you have any fun anymore. That you're not down in Charleston, you know, trying to come up with laws <laughs> to pass and what do you, yeah. What do you do in your spare time? Um,
0: <laughs> it's like. Uh, Free at last! Free at last! <laughs> Thank God Almighty! Free! At last. Yeah, it's it's like uh, two months down in in uh, Charleston during session is it's a it's a great privilege being there, and you feel that the whole time it really is. Um, but at the end, the last week, everybody, everybody, everybody in the Capitol was okay. We're ready for this to be, to be, be over. Yeah, <laughs> and you are. But um, that said. Uh, it, uh, you know, in terms of, you always kind of finish session and everyone says, okay, so how was session? How'd it go? Did you pass bills that were important and so on? And and we did pass some important bills. We passed a very important gun bill that says that uh, that uh, the Biden administration can't come into West Virginia and force local law enforcement to grab your guns, uh, House Bill 2694, we also passed a bill that says that, uh, men can't, uh, transgender, uh, men can't play in girls sports. Okay. That's, that's how, how do you even have to pass right. a bill like that? But that's the reality that's of ran. America yeah. in, in 2021. And, uh, and some other bills that were, that uh, in my opinion, were very important. Um, but I think we failed on some, uh, the most fundamental one, and that's, that's basically telling the governor that, look, you have a state of emergency, which he has declared over a year ago. There has to be, we have, you have to truncate that, cut that thing off at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't, we couldn't get that done. We have super majorities, and we couldn't get that done. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, to me, that was the bill, the fundamental move that needed to happen, and, and that is checking the p- the power of the executive. Well, and that needs
1: to start happening all over with the different states. Obviously, the federal government's not interested at all right now in truncating their oversight and their no, overreach. Not. And it, so the states is—and you've seen a big move in the states um, doing that, many states coming out and ending the mandates, ending yes. the states of emergency. Yes. Um, and i am a little bit surprised that west virginia wouldn't follow suit with some of those things well
0: i i think uh, surprise is a good word and disappointment is mm-hmm. is a good word there was a faction of us uh that um that pushed hard for this and obviously we didn't push hard enough and i, I you know i kicked myself i said you know i should have made a i i made several speeches um on the floor about uh, about the governor's uh, executive orders that I thought were unconstitutional he had I don't know 100 200 something like that he had a lot of his executive orders not all of them were bad but um, but many were many are and these executive orders should have been truncated they should have said uh, look uh, we were going to do that that was the plan uh, 120 day limit on an executive order um, that is uh, uh, specious you know if it's if if we're not sure look this isn't constitutional, maybe, or this definitely isn't constitutional. We need to cut this thing off. Mm-hmm. Or the states of emergency, um, um, the, the, the bill came out of the House, 2003, a very good bill, excellent bill, that would have said, look, if you're going to have a state of emergency, you can do that, um, but a 60 days. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to extend it for another 30 days, you have to come and get permission from the legislature. That should have passed, right? And it—it uh, it just uh, the sausage making. It just is—it's—it's it's perplexing that that a supermajority in a state as conservative as West Virginia we couldn't get that done. So uh, I've not given up on it, and others haven't either. There's uh, there's uh, many of us that are. Uh, ready to go back and and fight that. I you know, my I don't want to get on our radio station and and blast the governor, but um uh, the governor he I, I, he needs to read the constitution. He needs to understand that where his limits are as the executive and the legislature us, we need to we need to man up and and uh, get a spine and, and, and uh, say, look, uh, these are the spheres that we all have, the legislative, executive, and judicial branch. The Constitution gives us these spheres, and we don't overstep our bounds. And if one of us does, the other should put us in our place. So, all right, so we're going to get to critical race theory next, and we are glad you tuned in to the Voice of Truth radio show with State Senator Mike Azinger and Pastor Brian Leversee. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. Your host, Mike Gazinger, with uh, Pastor Brian Leversee. So we're going to talk a minute here, Pastor, about uh, critical race theory and um, this this uh, difficult term to for me to understand anyway. So you have the umbrella of it, I think. And I learned this from an article written um uh she wrote it a, 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 under a pseudonym she she wouldn't even say her name she's a a professor at a university and she's saying look critical she called it critical social justice which i think she was uh, uh, providing a term for an, the umbrella under all these other theories like critical uh critical race theory critical gender theory and there's there's these sub um uh, these s- sub uh know, subsections sub terms that go under critical social justice, which is which is basically the whole Marxist overturning of our of our culture, and that's what we're seeing. This is this is at its roots uh, Marxist because it's creating Marxism creates uh, the oppressed and the oppressor. That's what mm-hmm. the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. The bourgeoisie was the oppressor, and you have two classes, and you you create that. That's what they did. That's what these communist countries did uh, Stalin did it, Mao Zedong did it, they sent these young people into, uh, into the, uh, countryside and would c- create, uh, create contention. That's how they stole mm-hmm. the farms in Russia from these, from these, uh, perfectly content, uh, f- family farmers, and, uh, they created all kinds of contention and, um uh, uh Ended up, they just uh, mowed these people down. Took their took their farms. Now this seemed that seems extreme, but what we're seeing is is uh, uh, a lot of contention, a lot of clashing, a lot of upheaval in our culture we've never seen before. Mm. This is this is something that's that's new to to America. How's this happening? Let me just uh, let me just give a couple. Uh, uh, a couple of uh, paragraphs of background. I'm reading from an article called "The Roots and Reach of Critical Race Theory." So, where did it come from? How did this start? Where uh, uh, they're just basically our, our kids are being indoctrinated with uh, the oppressed and the oppressor, and it, let's just say, look, uh, white folks are are being called uh, racist by nature. It's mm-hmm. it's in our DNA, and and supposedly that's what we do. So. Here's what the article says. Today, there's a philosophy that's building up, uh, bubbling up. It's called critical race theory. Critical race theory has been around since the 1970s. This is this is fairly new. Okay, that's 50 years ago, but that's not especially if you lived back then like I did. Uh, so <laughs> not that long ago at all. <laughs> good, thank you. Since the 1970s, but has blown up in the past few years as terms like microaggression. White guilt, white privilege, and white supremacy have come to dominate the popular lexicon. So it's all it's all rooted in critical race theory. Um, so critical race theory, though it's known to most as, as a potent political force and the ideological underpinning of the Black Lives Matter organization, BLM is uh, uh, underpinned by critical race theory. It's, BLM is Marxist, too, by their own admission. Mm. It's always been, first and foremost, a legal philosophy. This is interesting, and this is something I didn't know until I read this article recently. It starts with the premise that the United States is rooted in white supremacy. The United States is rooted in racism. That's all we are. broad That broad brush painting of our founding fathers and our whole history as being nothing but racist. So that's what uh, the United States is rooted in white supremacy and that the white supremacy is written into the law. Our law is racist also. Look, our law, uh, this can be documented. This is an empirical fact. Our law is rooted in the Bible, mm. okay? And uh, it's changed uh, over the uh, uh, since the 60s since postmodernism, but originally our colonies got their law from the Decalogue and the Pentateuch the that's right Ten Commandments, first five books of the Bible um, so this inherent racism is presented as the explanation of any disparity of outcome so so uh, anyway the, the 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 premise is that the United States, is rooted in white supremacy. Hmm. You know, it's kind of
1: scary about that, too. The ideology is, if they're saying that our laws inherently are racist, and it's very easy to draw that line to where you can find that our laws come from Scripture. How long is it going to be before they say the Scripture is rooted in racism? Maybe
0: that's where they're going. Could that be? I mean, obviously we know that 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 we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Right. Christians know that. Oh, this is a this is a
1: satanic view of humanity. Why is that?
0: explain why that is, Pastor?
1: It's a satanic view of humanity because it puts man as the key figure of all justice instead of putting God mm. as the key figure of all justice. So what we have here is we have people that are splintering away from the Creator and away from the Word of God, and you can't find justice in any person because we're all unrighteous. Yeah. When we try to put ourselves above God, that's a supreme form of idolatry. It comes directly from satanic influence, and it's exactly what critical race theory does. is It puts this whole premise of justice, this whole premise of righteousness, this whole premise of... Anything of culture being built up on mankind itself, and we know how that how that turned out at the Tower
0: of Babel. <laughs> right, it's exactly what I was thinking yeah. when you said that. But uh, you made a point in a radio show uh, a month or two ago, in and, and just the point, uh, the fact that uh, critical race theory is is uh, antithetical to scripture because there is no forgiveness
1: there is no forgiveness right Uh, you can't make retribution for anything no because right now what are they saying they're saying inherently uh certain races are are evil because they're racist and they can't do anything about it it's the way they're with well i'll I'll give everybody this we're all sinners by nature we all have sin and we all need it dealt with the same way we need salvation from the lord jesus christ and then he comes into us and he refashions us and remakes us and and no longer does sin have control over us but because this isn't this this theory doesn't purport any salvation there's no way i mean you know, there have been talks. There's this. no way out. There's Isn't no way there? out. I mean, huh. they're talking, you know, trying to have reparations and do these things. But there's no ending point for this. How You cannot, just, just like we can't make up for our own sin in Scripture, there's nothing we can do to wash our sin away in mm. Scripture. It had to be done by the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, critical race theory offers no true Messiah. There's no real way that you can rectify no. the grievance that no. they say exists. Oh,
0: you just have to uh, work in perpetuity and do what they say.
1: Well, really what it, you know, and I'm really not trying to get too far afoot from this and I, I don't want to stir up things by not being able to be contextually connected to what we're really talking about, but it's kind of reverse reverse slavery is almost what it's trying to, it's almost like in order f- to make up for the grievance of slavery, which by the way I think is sinful, and I believe our founding fathers believed it was sinful. I believe a majority of them believed they, it was they sinful. They did, yes. And I believe that you know, they were working in the founding documents to make a way for the ending of slavery, which by the way, is not an American thing. it was an England thing hmm. and it brought got brought over and became you know part of that culture. But America was wanting to break away from that from the very beginning. That's why during the revolution, that's why during even the Civil War, those that would fight for freedom would be given freedom, complete freedom, those that had been slaves if they were you know fighting with them and fighting for the freedom. so I mean, there was already this this, this this road that was being paid for that to be eliminated. But the thing is, is it's like, okay, slavery did exist, and this is the key, this critical race theory, to almost flip the script on that and say, okay, now you're going to be perpetual slaves to this indoctrination that you're inherently evil, inherently racist. There's nothing you can do about it, and you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to pay that off to us.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it is reverse and, racism. And the answer to it, uh, Pastor, is is... Uh, Jesus Christ. It is when when we come. <clears throat> excuse me. When we come to Jesus Christ, we're our all brothers in Christ. Yeah. You know, we're, there's no Jew or Greek, right? We're all uh, we're all washed in the blood of Christ, mm. and we're to love our brother. No matter what their their color is, and um, did Christians mess up with that in our history? Yeah, I think I think that that happened in the South, but you know what? Uh, the, but there's also a, a lot of. Uh, uh, a, a lot of Christians all throughout our history who loved the black mm-hmm. folks in, in our country. You know that's true, because as you just described, 600,000 men died in the Civil yeah. War to free slavery, and, and of course, uh, that's, that's both sides, but uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of men died on the battlefield to, uh, to get rid of yeah. slavery. And as you said, even at the beginning um, the founding fathers, most of the founding fathers were against slavery mm-hmm. George Washington uh when he died he he let his slaves free Je- Jefferson was even against slavery it was It was a part of the of the culture back mm-hmm. then and uh a a a large amount of these founding fathers they were christians they were uh, uh this was a a Christian culture they were against slavery mm-hmm. but but you, you can 't just uh, snap your fingers and get rid of that mm-hmm. uh, in an instant that takes time and and the constitution even was uh, was uh, set up to to eventually rid america and, of, of the of slavery
1: and it was wrong it was wrong when Washington did it it was wrong when Jefferson did it it was wrong it 's pure sin the the idea of not um, recognizing a human being for being god 's creation and having um, you know uh, an equality of status is is wrong and it's sinful and it's against scripture and it always was but you can't take uh, a culture and paint it by all of its sins forever obviously in the united states of america we came out of this idea of slavery and racism and now all critical race theory is doing is it's bringing us back to that point again and i think erasing a lot of the strides that have been made in culture and in and I hate even talking about race because I don't believe in race. I believe in the human race, yeah. and I get I get really <laughs> frustrated when we talk about because there's just so much. We're going to talk about <clears> words <throat> here in one of our segments with with uh, Webster's Dictionary and no Webster. And words are important, and this gets so convoluted when you start talking about racism and race and the human race and different races. Yeah. It's just there's one blood, one race, mankind. And there's been sin involved with hatred throughout, not just the American history. This has been something that's been happening from the existence of mankind. I mean, search Scripture out. Yeah. And,
0: <clears throat> excuse me. And and this comes from the left. Uh, these are these are hard leftists that are creating critical race theory. They're creating uh, the these two classes, the oppressed and the oppressed, yeah. in contention. And and when whenever you broad brush a whole uh, great generation like our founding fathers. Uh, there there's there's something suspect there why Mm -hmm. are you doing that why are you just saying all they were were racist of course they weren't they were these were uh uh, largely men of god who who believed in god who were against slavery who believed the gospel of jesus christ uh the american revolution was born out of the great awakening and and uh You know, a third of the colonists heard George Whitfield preach the gospel and came to the Lord through uh, Whitfield and Wesley and Samuel Davies and others. But uh, all that to say, let's segue a little bit here, Pastor, because there's really uh, there's really some good news. There's some fighting back in terms of this uh, critical race theory, which is Marxism. When you think, uh, when you hear critical race theory or critical social justice or whatever. I uh, think marxism because that's its root it's not mm. it is not of god so um we have some some people uh standing up against it um let's just talk here for a second why would you want to join something where people hate you police department struggle with shortages shortages these police departments are saying look why why do we want to become a policeman when uh when we're hated uh, by the people we're trying to protect, and the amount of crime, the amount of crime in
1: in our in our cities, and and crimes that are committed against police officers right now have ramped up to such a degree yeah. that they're literally every time they walk out on the street are putting their life on the line in every situation.
0: Since the beginning of the year, seventy-nine Philadelphia police officers have been. Police officers have been accepted into the deferred retirement option program. Wow. So that's seventy-nine, and uh, to get put that in perspective, a year ago during the same time period, thirteen officers had enrolled in the, this retirement program, something wow. like a pension program. So, um, so uh, it's the perfect storm. We are anticipating that the department is going to be understaffed by several hundred members. Because hundreds of guys are either retiring or taking other jobs and leaving the department. So these police officers, this is Philadelphia, um, they're saying, look, you know, if, if, if the mayor's not going to have our back, if the folks on the, you know, if these if the citizens aren't going to have our back, why do we want to risk being put in prison or being killed because we're afraid to take a shot when we know we should? Um and, and these poor guys you know uh, I don't blame them so Philadelphia has 268 uh, vacancies and um, uh, I I'm just I'm, I'm reading here as I go but uh, I, I was listening to I was we were talking off off air here a minute ago but I was listening to Mark Levin explaining some of this but uh, um, in terms of let me get back to that. Let me just finish this real quick. Philadelphia Police Department is one of uh, of the many. You got Baltimore City. Um, they they've fallen below the seven hundred sworn pattern members. So so th- th- they're getting rid of two police precincts. They're going to have to close two police precincts. How do you do that? Hmm. There's no police precinct in this certain section of Philadelphia because they can't. They can't get enough uh, enough officers, according to Fox Baltimore. The union leader followed up by saying, "Our patrol numbers are now below 700 officers, which is about three to four hundred below what is needed." Wow, they can't they can't
1: get people to sign up. Well, it's not just happening in large cities either. You know, we've got uh, several police officers that uh, that I know and close to here in our area, and they tell me constantly that. It's so tough right now to get anybody who wants to go into the program, who wants to go into the academy, who wants to get trained, who yeah. wants to be that they're they're lagging behind so much that it's it's reaching you know critical numbers. They're
0: offering signing bonuses. Yeah. So um, so anyway, th- this uh, I was talking about Mark Levin. I, I I listen to his podcast when I walk in. There. But uh, he was t- he's got a book com- coming out called American Marxism, which should be an oxymoron, but somehow <laughs> it's a book title. So Marxism. Um, so he's talking about how how one of the uh, one of the facets of marxism is to kill civil order to hmm. to uh to this this the these um these policemen that are being targeted these these uh uh police uh uh what do you what do you call it, the precincts the this whole this whole targeting of the police structure is Marxist because that's part of the plan to bring about a despot, hmm. and and when you can kill the order and and uh, and turn the people against the police structure, make them the bad guy. That's what's happening. Yeah. These the policemen who are who are a, 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 a biblical. Uh, a biblical facet of of the of the American culture of any culture because they bring order and they they uh, they bring um, they bring uh, order to a society. They they put away the bad guys and they reward the good guys and so mm-hmm. on. You know the heroes. They they reward them. Put away the bad guys. Uh, so they're being targeted, and it's it's part of the part of the plan to bring about a despot. Well, without trying to get in a
1: basement and draw a bunch of lines, you know, and become a you know from chart to chart and picture to picture and become a conspiracy theorist, I don't think it's too far afoot to just play out in your mind what's going on right now. I mean, you're just telling us that down in Charleston, you're passing laws where our local police won't have to come and take our guns if the federal government tells them they have to do it. So that tells you what we're preparing for, essentially. Mm-hmm. We're preparing for the fact that the government wants to do things that the local <laughs> government doesn't want to enforce. So that's a hoop that the federal government, it's a protection to us, the local citizens, that the federal government has to jump through that hoop of the local um, police in order to, say, "Get, get our guns. Now, what if you remove the local police? And then you have to bring in more of a federal oversight or federal policing type system. Now you've eliminated that protection for the citizens of having a local police Mm. that they were wanting to come and maybe exercise some of their, uh, you know, mandates or whatever it is that they wanted to do. Mm. And you can see how that flows right into that whole philosophy of remove the local law enforcement Bring in a more federal type law enforcement, and we need to really pray, pray for our local police departments. Oh, we absolutely
0: officers. do. You know who who whoever ever thought that we would hear the hear the term? <clears throat> excuse me, defund the police. Yeah, I. I that's I mean, such that, a foreign concept. That's insanity, but but it's happening, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so. Uh, a little bit of pushback. Here's one. It's a major distraction. American company establishes rules against woke policy. So um, so this company, which you said you used before Basecamp, mm-hmm. I'd never heard of that, but uh, they're saying, look- um, if you come to work at Basecamp, you're not talking about any of this woke stuff. We're not. Right. We're not talking politics here. Right. And uh, it, it, he's taking a stand there. He's. He's saying, "Look, I'm. I'm watching what's happening with this woke stuff, and it's not happening at our company called uh, called Basecamp." Here's one that's really interesting. I never watched the Oscars. It used to be called the Academy Award. I don't think I've ever seen it. However. Um, the, and this is what President, President Trump said. It will only get worse. Trump mocks Oscar ceremony for low ratings, lack of elegance. So <laughs> that's an irony, the President President Trump saying <laughs> lack of elegance. That, he, he could be elegant at times. Like so the, the award show saw a 58% decline in viewership from last year's broadcast. Last year's broadcast was awful itself. They are under 10 million viewers. So to put that in perspective, I think they were up around at one time like, you know, 100 million viewers. Everyone watched the Oscars or the Academy Awards at one time, and they've become so woke. They've become so uh, uh, leftist and critical race theory type of wokeness. They get on there and preach their leftism, and no one's watching. Yeah. People are saying, uh, no, I'm going to go watch uh, a Hogan's Hero rerun, which I highly recommend. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: You know, and that's the scary part about this whole
1: movement is nothing is what it used to be. Um, The Oscars or whatever aren't about the art of making movies. Sports aren't about going and having fun with your family and watching some good competition. Um, a TV show isn't about entertainment anymore. The news mm. isn't about giving you good, solid information about what's going on in your world and in your community. No. It's all, everything is propaganda. And it almost is like this this philosophy of a cult, you know, when you look at this critical race theory. And, uh, I, you know, I'm not trying to be too overly, um, uh, you know, in, in anybody's face, you know, about this, but... But it really is kind of a scary situation where they're just pushing so hard for you to join their movement mm-hmm. and to join their ideology. And I had written down a note because I'm kind of studying through some of this stuff right now. And uh, look,
0: remember Antifa made you bow made on you the bow, sidewalk,
1: raise your hand up in the yep. air if you want yep. to keep eating your meal. I mean, we we saw this on the news. Time and time again, if
0: it's going to mean keep eating my meal, I think I'd raise my hand. I think I would, I think I would succumb to that pressure. <laughs> that hamburger Don't looks really good. Don't take my food away.
1: From really good. Me. <laughs> but I wrote this down, and I think it's very true. You know, social justice is the new gospel. Um, the George Floyd's of this world are the new Messiah. Virtue signaling is the new righteousness, and cancel culture is the new church discipline. Mm. And it's like you know, and and I understand you know I'm not I'm not trying to be again, um, uh, too uh, divisive with this, but you know I believe uh, police can act wrongly like anybody can act wrongly, and if if a police officer commits a crime, they need to be held accountable for that crime, and that's good. But to make somebody a hero on the other side that is a career criminal and has not had. Uh, a reputation uh, themselves of upholding the law or uh, being equitable to others, that that just flies in the face of of what heroes should be. Of course, an officer who's committing a crime cool. shouldn't be a hero, but neither should a career criminal be a hero, and people should all face justice the same way. Yeah. People should all face the law the same way. But to make every person a a martyr for social justice and the Black Lives movement matters movement um it's just it's a scary thing to see how this is quickly becoming a cult in our culture
0: woe unto him that calls evil good and good evil um you know george floyd uh, had had a record he had a record that was not uh that was not impressive uh or or uh, praiseworthy romans chapter 10 you were as you were explaining the new this new structure of uh, of religion that that uh critical race theory is uh, and that's a fascinating way to put it and i think that i think that because we're made in the image of god we have to have structure yeah. no matter what it is you know we can't stand chaos you have chaos mm-hmm. there will be uh, a dictator will step in because there's no we'll vacuum. take anything there's no there vacuum. is none. It, so romans Rom- romans 10 i, I think explains a uh I, I don't have but, shh, don't tell. We're in a church. I don't have a Bible in front. Of me. So, but Romans ten talks about when we get rid of God's righteousness, we go about to establish our own righteousness. We establish our own righteousness. Yeah and i don't i do not want to be ruled under the so-called quote unquote mm-hmm. righteousness of man. No. Okay, they did that in Russia, yeah. 100 million people died. They did that in China, 100 uh, you know uh, probably another 100 million. Uh, that's what communism is. Communism yeah. and these other these other isms are are man's quote-unquote righteousness. You do not want to be ruled by man without God, and the 20th century proved that. All right, so we are done with that for today. We're going to uh, move along into the next segment. We're going to talk about Noah Webster. This will be, I think, interesting for folks. We're going to talk about uh, who he was, uh, about his dictionary, and we're going to talk about words, and then we're going to finish up the show uh, with our uh, list of Rules of Etiquette. <laughs> I need to learn these. <laughs> I, I know I do. I think I have children that definitely do. Too. All right, you're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. Your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, along with... My co-host, Pastor Brian Loversey, and we are broadcasting, not live, but we're broadcasting (laughs) from... One day. Yeah, one one day day before. Today's Wednesday. Yeah. uh, In here, out there, is Thursday. Yeah. I've never thought that was brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, (laughs) 103.9 Praise FM. We never say that. We should say that more. Let folks know who they're listening to. (laughs) That's (laughs) right. All right. Thursday's at 5, Saturday's at 3. That's p.m., not a.m., you can listen to the Voice of Truth radio show, and um, or not.
1: You don't want to listen
0: to us. Hey, <laughs> but please do. But please do. We want you to. Uh, so we're going to talk about. Um, uh, we're going to talk about words here. We're going to talk about Noah Webster. Everybody's heard of the Webster's Dictionary. Where did that come from? And uh, I think a lot of it is just look. We're not being taught our history. We haven't taught, been taught our history in America uh, for. I don't know, 50 years, maybe 100 years, maybe before John Dewey? I don't know. But uh, I do know that we have a rich Christian heritage that Mm -hmm. if our whole country was taught, then we wouldn't have all these little um, pop-up fires of uh, chaos, Mm -hmm. this little balkanization all over the country. If everybody understood that, look, God made America a special nation Mm -hmm. because we honored him— and our forefathers, which are, uh, were the original settle, settlers and then our founding fathers, said, look, we, we need God, we want God, and uh, um, that's why God has blessed America. And if we think he's going to continue to bless America when we kick him out of everything, yeah. we are foolishly mistaken. That's right. And we have kicked him, you know, in the 1960s was a watershed decade in America. We got rid of God out of the schools. Look, no more Bible in schools, no more prayer in schools. Get the 10 commandments off of everything. We don't want people to learn to honor their father and their mother, not lie, cheat, steal, mm. to, you know, to honor God first. We don't want them to do that. Well, anymore, we don't even want them to know what a father and mother is. Well, we we don't want them to know that there is such a yeah. thing. There is such a definition, and that's why these words are. And that's so why important. words are important. So let's uh, let's talk about Noah Webster here a second. So he was a uh, served. He was a, uh, a veteran served in the Revolutionary War and got his master's degree from Yale. That's something that he and I have in common. We were both, <laughs> I was uh, not Yale aware my, of that. Uh, oh. Yeah, first in my class at Yale. Uh, <laughs> then I woke up from my dream. Um, so I'm going to fact
1: check all of
0: this. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, on the universal diffuse of literature as introductory to the universal diffusion of Christianity. That was his master's degree dissertation. On the universal diffusion of literature as introductory to the universal diffusion of Christianity. See, when you're a Yale man, you can think of stuff like that. Remember, My Thurston Hall the third, he didn't like <laughs> Yale man. He want, he liked Harvard men, or yeah. vice versa. I forget. All right, so uh, 1783, Webster published uh, his b- uh, blue backed Speller. So this was like the New England Primer. This mm-hmm. was like the McGuffey Readers. This these uh, blue backed spellers. Sold a hundred million wow in our in our early uh, early America and this is how children learned in our our schools from the blueback spellers that was that was um, thoroughly christian and that 's how our kids learned so um here 's something that is is fundamental to his character and to to the history of uh of uh Noel Webster December 20 1808 pastor this is what uh, this is what his testimony is his salvation testimony he said uh, he wrote in, on, in December 20 1808 he said about a year ago an unusual revival of religion took place in New Haven and I was led by a spontaneous impulse of repentance prayer and and entire submission and surrender of myself to my Maker and Redeemer. So, mm. what a what a testimony! Wow. Noah Webster, who created the Webster's Dictionary, has that's that's his testimony of faith. In the month of April last month, uh, April last, I made a profession of faith. Wow! You don't get much clearer than that. You don't. That's uh, that is just uh, it's, it's wonderful. It was common and uh, there's probably some revival that swept swept through New Haven, Connecticut yep. and and he came to the Lord 1808 no webster no webster first published his American dictionary of the English English language on April 14, 1828. So listen folks. Uh, buy a copy of the Webster's 1828. You hmm. can get a big thick copy of it uh, and and it okay. is a special dictionary. Go ahead. Is that the version that you have on the app, too? It is the version. I have so you can on the even app. get it on your app. You don't have to get it on your app. Um, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a book guy. I hate. I like to smell the pages. I like to turn the pages, <laughs> I like to put it on my shelf. Uh, so, But you can't get an app. I have the Webster's 1828 dictionary. So we're going to talk about why it's special. Now, one thing about it, it's a couple hundred years old. It won't have all the the words mm-hmm. that we have today, but it will have the the fundamental words and the fundamental language that that we've had since since our uh since our beginning. So, let's let's get uh get going here. Um Webster's 1828 dictionary, uh April 14, 1828 is when it came out in order to evaluate the etymology of words, Noel Webster learned twenty six languages. Wow. You know, and that's, that's one ahead of me. I've learned <laughs> Well being a I should've known if I'd have known i would have known i Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he learned twenty six languages.
1: You know, and that just that shows the depth and the richness of what gets poured into these early works. You know, today we just make up words that have no entomology at all. They don't come from anywhere. They just yeah. come from a feeling we have. And here's a man who's going into the fundamental languages of culture, learning these languages, becoming intimately familiar with them. And, you know, that's exactly what happened in Scripture as preservation and translation and all that took root. You had people who made themselves expert in the original languages and went through and made sure that the meaning was preserved throughout time. And what we've lost today is meaning of things. And when you lose meaning of things, you can have slippery, sly people come in and change your whole dialogue. And when you change somebody's whole dialogue, you take control of them.
0: And that's one thing, we talked about critical race theory in the last segment, and uh, uh, one thing they do is they change the language. Yeah. Marxism changes the language. And, and you'll start hearing these different terms that you've never heard before. Well, be, be leery of that. Yeah. That's Marxism, that's somebody with, uh, with bad motives, because as you said, every word has a root. Yeah. And and one thing Webster did with this is he 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 would with his definition of a word every word uh or almost every word he would have a scripture verse with it mm. and he would tell where the word came from Latin Greek or Celtic whatever it was and the year mm-hmm. now his dictionary still has that if you if you like I have the Webster's dictionary online also I use it a lot Uh, And it will give that also. Where did that come from? Well, it came from Noah Webster. Hmm. He spent years and years on this dictionary, taking over two decades to complete. The Webster's Dictionary provided over 30,000 new definitions. Hmm. So he brought this dictionary together with, uh, all these new, uh, new definitions. And here's something else he did. If you look at the writings of the founding fathers and before that, um, you would, you could find 10 different spellings for one word. Mm-hmm. Okay. They just kind of winged it. Like mm-hmm. you were talking about well, whatever feels good here for this word. Well, he standardized the spelling. So mm-hmm. he said, look, if you want to spell a word, this is how you spell it from now on. And it's in my, it's, uh, in my dictionary. So, um, in, go ahead. Uh, well,
1: well, it's interesting, too. Uh, you know, We've taken some trips here on the East Coast and have studied some of the presidents and, and founding fathers. And what's interesting about them is many of them, though they might not have standardized the spelling, and a lot of the different languages influenced, I think, the spellings that they chose for the different words. Um, all of them knew multiple languages. Hmm. Like, like many of them yes. knew multiple languages. At an and early many, age. At an early age. Yeah. And so... No wonder our our founding documents, Constitution, um, Declaration of Independence, all of these works are so rich in their language and and pinpointed, you know, very well-defined. The thought is yeah. well-defined. Yeah. The motive is well-defined. And, and that's why people struggle today who even want to get rid of the Constitution to be able to get rid of it. They almost have to just dismiss it entirely is because they can't twist the words on it. They <laughs> can't make it say something it doesn't say.
0: Uh, that is, uh, I think that's a superb point that uh i mean if you read the i just got done reading the constitution i like to read it before every session but i read it after this session but uh it 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 will blow your mind Mm -hmm. at how succinct it is how they how they thought of every single angle of 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 what could what could come Mm -hmm. up in a government and how a government should be set up and these were very learned men as you said they were. Very well read. Mm -hmm. And like you said, they knew different languages. They learned different languages at an early age in Greek and Latin Mm -hmm. because that's where a lot of words our language um, originated from, the New Testament's in Greek, right? They probably learned Hebrew also. The Old Testament is in Hebrew. Noel Webster wrote in the preface of his dictionary, he said this, To that great and benevolent being, capital B, talking about God, who has borne me in my manuscripts in safety across the atlantic and given me strength and resolution to bring the work to a close i would present the tribute of my most grateful acknowledgement so in the uh, so in the uh, preface of his 1828 dictionary he gives glory to god um so he wrote to James Madison the Christian religion in its purity is the basis or rather the source of all genuine freedom in government. He also gave he gave uh credit to great government saying that unless it's rooted in Christianity you can't have you can't have a uh, great government. The moral and uh, the moral principles and precepts contained in the scriptures ought to form the basis of all of our civil Constitutions and laws. Mm. He understood that, and he wrote that to Matt Madison, who understood it also. Who was uh, who was mentored by Witherspoon, a great mm. theologian, who mentored a third of the signers of the Constitution and a fifth of the signers of the Declaration. Wow. Or uh, so that's that's who our founders were. Uh, so so he, let me just uh, we got just about five more minutes here. uh Well, we've got about two minutes. We're about out of time, but but. uh, uh a couple of words that came out of his, uh, out of his dictionary that—let's uh, uh, just take uh, his definition of, of marriage, okay? So that's been a word that's been changed. Right. But if you use the Webster's 1828, uh, you'll understand that it wasn't—it's um, never been changed. Uh, he defines marriage as uniting a man and woman for life, a contract both civil and religious, till death— Shall separate them, hmm. and then he, then he, uh, we talked about he uses a scripture verse. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. Hebrews thirteen four in scriptural sense, the union between Christ and His Church by the covenant of grace. Revelation nineteen seven. So he uses the um, he uses the scriptural sense of it too. Yeah, and it's amazing
1: how you know uh, God's word when it's implemented in forming our words. Holds rich meeting that can never change because our God does not change. He is immutable. He is unchanging, and so we have very good security and we have very good direction when our words mirror God's words.
0: Amen to that. One last thing, and then we're gonna kick out of here and get to our um, our laws of etiquette, which um, I don't know they might be in Webster's dictionary. I don't know. We can we can <laughs> check. Look them up. We'll look. <laughs> Webster's eighteen twenty eight defined. Um, The laws of nature, so the Declaration of Independence talks about the laws of nature and nature's God, and we've talked about that on the show before, Um, but the laws of nature and nature's God were something that everybody in that generation— uh, in the founders generation understood mm-hmm. okay the laws of nature were the the laws that God put into nature mm-hmm. okay we understand even without God's law even without the Bible we understand intuitively because God wrote it on our conscience and he wrote it into the laws that we see in nature it's it's uh, we know that that it's wrong to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. We know that it's wrong to steal somebody. You can go into the furthest uh, civilization out in the middle of the jungle. They will understand intuitively that it's wrong to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. It's wrong to steal somebody's belongings and and uh, these these precepts that are the laws of nature that God put on our heart. And then, of course, the laws of nature's God, which is Scripture itself. So anyway, I just wanted to do—I uh, thought it would be fun to talk about— uh, uh, Noah Webster, a great man of God, mm-hmm. gave us the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. It was later uh, purchased by uh, a man named Miriam. We know of the yeah, Miriam, Miriam Webster-Miriam Mir- mm-hmm. Dictionary. And uh, uh, if if you want to make a great purchase that will, uh, if you got kids in school or whatever, the Webster's 1828 is great to have on your bookshelf and you can get the app also. All right, we're going to talk about etiquette when we come back. We'll do about uh, five, six minutes, but you folks need it. I've seen your manners out there. <laughs> Tune in. This is, uh, we'll be right back. This is the Voice of Truth Radio. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, Mike Hazinger with Pastor Brian Leversey. We're in the last segment, Pastor. We promised folks out there we're going to talk about etiquette. We know our listeners are the best listeners in the world, but we're thinking, ah, maybe they need to brush up up on the manners a little bit. (laughs) We could all use a a little (laughs) bit of a... We believe in insulting our audience, right? uh, right? So anyway, we all need that. Uh, All right, so last week we talked about the first five. got a list of 50. We're going to do this for 10 weeks, whether these folks want to hear it or not, right? Uh, Last week, say please and thank you. That was number one. Number two, smile. Number three, hold the door for the person behind you. Number four, step outside to answer phone calls. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is number five, give people a pass, have some mercy on them. All right, so number six. Here we go, Pastor. Are you ready? I'm ready. Look at the
1: person who is speaking to you. Oh, man. You know, with, with people looking at their phones today all the time, I, I, I get this when you go into That's exactly restaurants what and everything, Yeah, uh, you don't see people even engaging in conversation. They're, they're looking here, they're distracted with this or distracted with that and body i think we've forgotten that body language is a huge important part of our conversation it helps create context you know looking at somebody's eyes and seeing their facial expressions when they're yes. talking great and that and we've substituted that with emojis today you know, we, yeah. we send a smiley face. Yeah. We we have to do that because we're not used to communicating in person mm. with actual body language. Yeah,
0: and one thing we we were talking about words last segment, but but I, I think that we use these emoji, we're using these emojis as crutches because we can't explain out of our own heart mm. and mind. Um, our our own emotions. Yeah. We're learning to uh, wrap up a whole bunch of good writing that we should be able to do into emoji. Yeah. It's, or it's a making GIF. us lazy. Have you seen these GIFs that people have yeah. seen? Or, yeah. Yeah. And, and right. they can be quite funny. So <laughs> yeah. back off the GIFs. <laughs> with, <laughs> or the, uh, oh, uh, oh, my goodness. Some of them are really very funny. Um, all right. So look at the person who's talking. Look, folks, in the eyes how you we used to that say that, it. Right? Absolutely. And um, uh, number seven, let somebody... I don't like this one, Pastor. Uh-oh. Let somebody go in front of you in line. I don't like it. Oh, I don't like that
1: Should one. Should we skip over that one? I think that one is is a miss right <laughs> there. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll go on. No, no, no. But I think, you know, I appreciated it the other day. I was at the grocery store. I had one thing, and the person in front of me had 101 things. Mm. And uh, I came up to them, and they were just about ready to start putting their first thing on the conveyor belt. And they said, why don't you go ahead of me? And, you know, that made my day. It was just so polite. I thought it was great.
0: That was great. And they yeah. were, uh, did you buy their groceries for them? You did not? <laughs> I did not that, See, that. that's number seven. If somebody was, if lets was, you in front of you, buy their if groceries. If it was one thing, I would have bought it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to let somebody go in front of you. And that, that also uh, applies to uh, out on the roadway, right? Oh, People trying yeah. to get, let them in. All right. Number eight, cough or sneeze into your elbow. Is that a verse? Is there is that from the old <laughs> thou shalt is thou how shalt? you should start that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really efficacious during uh, COVID. Look, don't sneeze on me. Number nine. Uh learn people's names. Oh, that's a tough one for a lot of people. You know too. what though? Sometimes I I I can think of several people I've known for fifty years who have never used my name wow. in a conversation. Wow. Learn someone's name that's and right. use their name. Look how yep. G- G- Jesus did that. Yeah, he would. He Mary, Mary, Martha, yep. Martha. Yep. I just read that Martha, Martha. How how intimate is that enough? Yep. How much affection and emotion is Martha, Martha? Yeah. You're 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 so busy doing this and that, and look what Mary's doing. Ma- you know, mm-hmm. he had a love for these two ladies. Yeah. And that's what, by the way, that's what Christianity does. Christianity. Mm-hmm. Watch what Islam does to. To to the the female uh, uh, part of of, of humanity, yeah. uh, as Christianity lifts them up. Je- watch how Jesus treated lady, the woman yeah. at the well. Right, uh, number nine uh, was learn pe- people's names. Just learn their name. Yeah. You know, make a point. Write it down. Oh, you know what I'll I'll do. I'll ask. <laughs> I'll ask somebody else. Like at church, if I'm trying to learn someone's name, I don't know their name. I'll ask somebody else. And then I'll say, and what was your name again? Yeah. Number, yep. <laughs> Number 10. Smart. Number uh, 10, handwrite thank you notes.
1: Oh, wow. How about that? You know, that's that's one of those things that's as difficult as prayer. Mm. Because you actually, you know. It's, nobody does it Nobody anymore. does it. It's too easy it's, to
0: text or email. Yeah. You well, know,
1: it, it's one of those things where it takes actual time and effort. So we kind of just use other crutches to get us by my
0: 81 year old mother to her credit still writes uh a hand thank you though. yeah my my wife bless her heart is adamant about it
1: and very good at doing it yeah she she'll sit there and that's write a
0: like, virtue because that yeah. that is taking time out to mm-hmm. actually write um an expression of thanks yeah you know and and we should we should do that um I mean, we should definitely be
1: thankful. And, and I'll, I'll give a free one here too. It's probably not in any of our lists. Is husbands, if you write a note to your wife, you know, every once in a while, like in the morning before you go to work, it's amazing what that will do. Mm.
0: All right, very Handwritten good. note to your wife. Okay, so... File uh, that in the back we, of your Can brain. we get out of here now? <laughs> <laughs> Handwritten white note to your wife. All right, very good. That's from the preacher. All right, you're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. We're so glad you tuned in today, and we'll be back next week. So tune us in every uh, Thursday at 5 o'clock, Saturday at 3 o'clock. We love you all. We appreciate our listeners very much. Mm. And uh, you're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio with... State Senator Mike Gazinger, Pastor Brian Leversey. God bless you, folks. We'll talk to you next week. I will choose to-